Hello and welcome to another brand new episode of What the Fintech, the podcast from the team behind Fintech Futures and the Banking Technology Magazine. My name is Paul Hindle, editor at Fintech Futures, and for this episode, we're joined by Rajesh Gupta, CFO of UK-based business bank Oak North. Rajesh, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me here today, Paul. Excellent. It's great to have you here. And I mean, just to get started, then, we'd like to quickly let us know a bit more about yourself then and what you're up to at the moment at Oak North. I joined Oak North about two and a half years ago, but I've been working in and about various UK businesses for the last couple of decades. Started my career with NG Capital and spent two decades with them. Recently worked with a UK-based business called Kensington Mortgages and then in 21 took the step and joined Oak North. Lastly, because I think at a stage in my career where I wanted to be working for a business where I could get my arms around things, but also which was focused very clearly on a mission. A lot of businesses and banks focus very generically across lots of different areas and it was good to be working with someone like Oak North who are very focused on what we call the missing middle, which are the small and medium businesses that are in need of finance. So I think from my vantage, it represented a good opportunity. And so here I am. Excellent. Thanks, Rajesh. And uh, as mentioned, it's great to have you on the show. This week, we'll be taking a look at the current business banking climate in the UK and the challenges that have arisen for UK SMEs amid tough macroeconomic conditions. We'll also take a look at what banks should be doing more of to ensure they're supporting their business clients through the current climate and how banks such as Oak North have been approaching their lending activities of late. That's all to come a bit later, but as always, to get us started is our news in number segment. So this is where our guest has gone out and found a new story featuring an interesting number to discuss. So Rajesh, what have you brought along for us today? Well, I think the one that was closest to our industry and which caught our eyes was definitely the news about silver. And them being able to get a 200 million euro credit facility to focus on European SME. Clearly small numbers, but on the other hand, when you're a startup that is looking to raise funding in this kind of environment, that's pretty encouraging. And I think if you think about it, the number of SMEs in this kind of environment would probably be underserved by their existing banks. And with the added challenges of cost of living and the funding needs that come up with it, I think it is good that businesses with a good model continue to get the right kind of support. So that's something that caught our eyes. So let's see how it all plays out for them. Yes. And I mean, in, in that story, as well, they mentioned that demand for loans had increased significantly across Europe. Is that something that you're seeing in the UK as well with what you're doing? Yeah, I think I would say that you're probably seeing two different types of customer reactions, right? One is there are customers who haven't started new projects. They have been a lot more thoughtful about what is it that they need to be working on, how to consider the uncertainty in the environment. And so I think I would say that to some extent, especially towards the back end of 2022 and very early in 2023, we saw that people were not quite making the decisions they needed to make. That I think is becoming changing a little bit right now because notwithstanding the level of challenge that is from a macroeconomic perspective, things are certainly a bit more certain than it was in October last year. So from that vantage, I think people are now beginning to make some modernization. But the other thing that we've been observing also is that a lot of businesses are now coming to us and saying they want to discuss options with us because their existing bank probably is not going to serve them as they need to be served. Not that any of the banks are saying no, but 
the customers or clients definitely feeling that they need to look for other options. So interestingly, we've had a very strong first half of the year. We closed about 900 million pounds of deals compared to just over 1.3 billion last year. So I think then the second half pipeline also looks strong. So from our vantage, yes, it is a challenging environment. Yes, it's more difficult to say yes to everything that a client needs, but we certainly are open for business and we'll take each case on its merit. We'll dive into a few of those numbers a bit later there, especially looking at how different banks have been kind of approaching this. And as you mentioned in your intro as well, the, the missing middle and, and how you've been able to support that. But just to get things started then, I mean, it's been quite a tough year for financial services in general. We've mentioned the, the macroeconomic conditions there and obviously got the stubbornly high inflation rates, rising interest rates, ongoing cost of living crisis. So what's your take on all of this then in the current business banking landscape at the moment? I think from my vantage, there is certainly a level of uncertainty. There is certainly a level of negative sentiment, especially around the consumer space at this point in time. And you've probably seen that more small businesses have been filing for things like bankruptcies at this point in time. But we also know that this is the stage in the economic climate where people start seeing opportunities, right? There are different opportunities from the business models that existed. And, and there are a number of people who fundamentally start looking at those kind of opportunities. So certainly it hasn't felt like doom and gloom at all. I've been through the 2008 crisis when for several months things came to a grinding halt and no one quite knew when we wake up from that particular sleep, what the world was going to look like. So this is these are trying times, but I would say that this is the opportunity to be really thoughtful, really look at the rules are changing, to look at what those mean for each one of us, whether it is Oak North, it's our clients or anyone else, and find the opportunities because there is no denying the fact that the world we live in today and the world we'll live in the next two to three years or maybe the next decade is different from the world of the last decade, right? So it is almost a rebalancing of sort that is going on. And so there will be opportunities is our view in this kind of environment. Excellent. And as we're recording this, we've just had Lloyds Bank's Business Barometer released recently, which um, suggested the business confidence in July was pulled lower by, by weaker economic optimism companies reporting that concerns about rising interest rates. And as we record this as well, the sentiment is that UK interest rates are going to be getting bumped up again this week on Thursday, 3rd of August. How have these interest rate rises impacted you and your customers? And have you noticed any concern about this from businesses looking to take out loans from yourself? Yeah, I think clearly it impacts. It's very difficult to generalize. On a holistic basis, you would say that interest rates increases means additional cost for people. But this is not the only issue, right? People have been facing increases in cost of raw materials. People have been facing issues with the supply chain, especially, you know, after Russia, Ukraine last year. And this is all when they're coming on the back of COVID and recovering from all of that. So I would say that I found the economy, I found our customers, I found Oak North incredibly resilient through these times. And I think resilience comes with being making sure that you're making 
sensible business decisions. And when you're making those business decisions, you look forward and said, you know, what if things were went bad? How bad can they get to be? And do your business models still survive in that situation? And that's the fundamental of how Oak North underwrites, right? So we do look at how people perform and how they have performed in the past, clearly, but also very important for us to understand is how people would perform under different economic scenarios in the past. So there are, in our lending, there are sufficient cushions in built into these things to make sure that we can work through tough times. And uh, we supported a number of businesses during COVID. And we came out of the other side of COVID with very few delinquencies, right? And a lot of happy customers uh, from perspective. So I think anyone who says that the world is going to be okay is probably not saying, thinking about it right. But equally, I think if you're making the sensible decisions, you're right, running the right stress tests and scenarios to make sure your decision is fundamentally strong, then you have to manage through a few issues as you go through, but your fundamental business model continues to be strong throughout the thing. And that's what we've been seeing. And touch wood at this point in time, we've been saying a lot of that for our existing clients as well. We haven't seen any massive uptick in people struggling to make payments or things like that. They're all stressed, no question about that. They have to pay more than they used to, but they are able to cope so far. Yeah, and I mean, coming off the backs of that, you're obviously known primarily as a bank and lender for scaling businesses. How difficult do you think it has been for businesses to scale then in the current climate? And you know, I mean, you mentioned COVID there as well. I mean, that, even that was only a couple of years ago and suddenly things are still tougher a few years down the line, right? Yeah, and no, just think about Oak Note, right? We came into existence around the 2015, 2016 kind of time frame. And in seven years, we've seen Brexit, we've seen COVID, we've seen last year's mini budget, and now we are moving into all of these things. In our own situation, we've found it reasonably comfortable to scale. And the reason for that is when you really think about it, right, there are three things you need to really have in place to scale. You need good capital, you need good funding, and you need to be able to have the talent that can help you take your business forward, right? And we have been a profitable business right from the first year of our operation which fundamentally means that we are generating enough capital to support our own growth. So we did have capital infusion in the early years from a number of investors, but since 2019, we have not had to go out into the market and get any capital, but our profits themselves help us continue to grow. The second thing is funding. We have one of the most leading deposit propositions in the UK market at this point in time. You find us very often offering really competitive rates to customers. And we've been able to raise deposits as and when we needed it and get really strong customer feedback and scores uh, as we go through. And we're able to retain a lot of those customers that we have recruited. And then as far as talent is concerned, I think we've been fortunate in both being able to have a talent base that is based out of the UK, but also talent base that is based in India. And as you've gone through this different situation, sometimes you've had challenges with the labor market in India, at other times you have been able, you have significant challenges with the labor market in UK, but we've been able to balance it in a way that we've always been able to find the talent we needed to grow the business. And to some extent, I think we are very biased towards tech and we've been hiring a lot of engineers over the last year or so. And to an extent, I would say that the bursting of whatever people call the tech bubble last year uh, did mean that getting engineers, which was one of the more difficult group of people to hire, 
that problem got solved for us due to market conditions. So I think we found that we've not had many challenges in terms of scaling other than where is the next level of growth going to come from, but the foundations have always been there. And talking generically about business, I think on an average, it's probably fair to say that growth is probably muted, but the strong businesses are continuing to do really well. And these are all situations where you will see the strong come out even stronger and the weaker businesses with somewhat immature or flaky business models, they're going to fail. And one would argue that kind of economic, that kind of thing is something that happens in business cycles from time to time. And we are going to see a lot of that, I think, this year, next year. Long answer to your short question, but hopefully it gives you something. That's good. It's all very interesting stuff. Great. Well, I think we can look into that, the missing middle that you mentioned now at the top of the show as well. So, I mean, that's been defined as established small to medium-sized enterprises are looking to scale, but are overlooked or underserved by incumbent banks and, and alternative lenders. So, I mean, in what ways in particular would you say that incumbent banks are underserving these customers and, and what should they be doing yeah. more of? I think they are underserved in terms of the amount of funding they are able to get from the banks. And they're underserved in terms of the structure of the funding. And they are probably underserved in terms of the time within which they're able to get solutions from the bank, right? And often I think for these kind of entrepreneurs, time is massively critical. And when you think about the whole SME space, I think the set of customers for whom incumbent banks have really good models to serve is on one hand, the micro customers. And as far as micro customers are concerned, Lending is all automated. It is scorecard based. It's not that you always get the funding, but at least you know very quickly whether the answer is yes or no, and you can figure out what else you want to do with it, right? There is no lack of certainty in that particular space. And I think a lot of the incumbent banks do that very, very well. When you look at large corporations, again, people with corporate ratings, companies that have been around for a number of years, very large companies. Their banks do have a process, they sit with them, they plan stuff, they do a very detailed underwriting. It may take three to six months, but for some of those banks, those kind of timelines are built into the way that they look at funding and things like that. And they do come up with solutions that make sense, whether to a single bank or a consortium of banks who will support this bank. I think it's in the middle where you had these, what we call the missing middle, where the challenge for the banks is they don't have the data and analytics to make quick decisions for these people, nor can they rely on scorecards to give decisions for these people because the loans are big. So you can't just based on a scorecard make a decision on an ongoing basis. And this is where uh, what Oaknoth has been able to do is with the previous experience that Rishi and Joel had of establishing a database equity research company, they have been able to come up with a way that we can do the database analytics-based credit underwriting of a customer very quickly. We typically would turn it around once we have all the data within a week, but in a real emergency, we could probably turn it around in 24 hours if need be. So we are able to get the initial analysis very, very quickly. And then we are, the advantage of being a small company is that we can call a credit committee where the client can come and pitch their requirements to directly to the decision makers. So you don't have a lot of somebody sitting in Manchester originated a deal, send it up the chain to Birmingham, 
to get an initial decision, who then send it to London and maybe in some cases go to New York to make a decision or a single loan. And that takes months. In our case, the decision makers can speak to the client directly and make a call out there. And we've been able to do that. And, you know, as we have become bigger and as we've scaled, we've created committees for medium deals, committees for smaller deals, but the ethos is still the same. You have a very standardized database and analytics-based credit paper that is generated in a very short period of time. And then the decision makers take that paper. They take all their experience and judgment because in these kind of loans, you do need to just can't rely on data. That's the single important thing. And then they meet with the clients or they meet with the, the salespeople who are bringing the clients and then they make a decision very quickly. So we are able to get to decisions quickly. We are able to offer structures that are based on the client's needs, and we're able to make decisions that have not just considered where the client is today, but where the client could be if scenarios A, B, C, D played. And that's why we've been able to serve these customers a lot better. Excellent. And on that front, I mean, have you noticed some incumbents or some other lenders looking to be more risk averse and scale back their SME lending at this time? Because obviously we've discussed some of the tough conditions, macroeconomic conditions that we've been facing at the moment as well. And should there be a shift across the board to ensure that there's consistent support, no matter what the economic conditions are? Because shortly at this point, I guess it's going to be a time when businesses are really in need of those loans. I think the issue is not that the banks do not want to do it. I just don't think they have the ability to do it. To be able to take a small role and individually underwrite it and be able to be competitive on that loan is not easy. And that is one of the reasons that they don't play there. And from my vantage, I think at this point in time, per se, I don't think many banks have come out and say, you know, during certain crises, they'll come out and say, yeah, we're not lending into CRE anymore. We're not lending into restaurants anymore. We're not lending into care homes anymore. We haven't quite heard any of the banks come out and say that at this point in time. But equally, I think the fact that we are having a number of new to bank uh, new to Oakland customers coming in and saying they need to talk to us because they don't believe that their banks will support it indicates that the banks have taken a certainly they have reined back their risk appetites or whatever to be able to support it. I don't think that it is practical to force anybody to really support. I mean, at a philosophical level, I do think that it would be great to have a situation where you can support various constituents throughout the cycle rather than you support them in the good times and you drop them in the bad times kind of situation. It's a tough ask, right? Because if people have to support and to support, that means that they have to take more risk and to take more risk, that means they may put their capital at risk and that impacts how they price to these people. So in totality, that wouldn't work. I think we are always going to see cycles. The only way to address that kind of a situation is by making sure that whether you are in a cycle or not in a cycle, you are still making decisions on a forward-looking basis and are not on one single scenario, but on multiple scenarios of what might happen to the business. And the business can withstand challenges. We should support it, right? And I think that is the way to solve it. That's a big journey for a lot of people. It has taken us six, seven, eight years to get to where we have. We think we have a head start on that one in terms of the customer segment we serve in. Like I said, consumers, micro, large corporate, they're all getting served very well. 
but it is the SME sector which is tougher to serve because they need individual attention, but they are not big enough to justify individual attention, if you see what I mean. And you mentioned at the top of the show as well that um, Oak North has completed nearly 900 million worth of lending to businesses in the first half of 2023 alone. How is it then that you've been able to continue confidently lending in the current climate? And is there any risk in that for you? Yeah, I mean, there is always risk in any sort of lending, I guess. But our process of evaluating credit remains exactly the same, no matter what cycle we're looking in. We take into account what the businesses, first of all, we lend to businesses with some level of track record, right? So we don't lend to businesses who have just kicked off their business. So you need to be sure that this business has got a good track record and more critically, it is being run by the right people. That I think is the ticket to play. Assuming you do both of those, we do look into what the management's business case is, but we have the ability with our data engine to be able to predict based on where the, what the customer's characteristics are, what our view of the base case would look like. And so, for example, we have information that says in different macroeconomic conditions, a hotel in Mayfair may perform in such and such way, whereas a hotel in Heathrow may operate in a different way and a business hotel may operate in a certain way versus a leisure-driven hotel may operate in a different way. So we have that granular data. So we are able to form our own assessment of what how a business would perform. And then you're looking at the client's view and our view, and sometimes we have to reconcile that view. We start off with that. Then based on that, we run stress tests that says, okay, what if, like for instance, we would say today, what if interest rates remain at 6% for the next five years? Does this client still survive? Do they have a business model that can still support that? And the quantum of loan and the structure of loan we offer to the customer is very much based on that. So as long as we are making our decisions on the basis of stress testing, sound understanding of the business model of our clients, we mitigate a lot of the risk that could come from simply having a product that was the same before and after that say for your only solution is offer or not offer, right? So we don't op- operate in that kind of manner. And therefore, we do hope that we have a good hang around stuff. That doesn't mean that our clients won't find it harder during this particular stat. But our job is to stick with them if we believe that they have a resilient business model. They'll have a few ups and downs, but eventually if they are resilient, then they will come through. And we did that during COVID, a couple of restaurant chains that we supported during COVID. We did the analysis. We could have pulled our loan at the onset of COVID. These businesses did have some cash with them and we could have basically taken the low risk opportunity. But we did our analysis and we saw that these chains, restaurants would survive and actually prosper even if COVID was 12 months, 18 months, 24 months in play. And so we supported them through the process. And when we came to the other side of COVID, they had extremely successful outcomes. And so I think our ethos is to support companies through whatever cycle they're going to. Equally, if we do our analysis and it turns out the company is going to struggle during this period, then I think we sit down and have a conversation with them so that they can take. But what we don't do is come out with blanket. We're not doing restaurants anymore. We're not doing real estate anymore. We don't do that. It's a client-by-client approach that we take. Excellent. And if we were to get a crystal ball out now, in terms of the economy in general, 
how optimistic are you? Are you looking forward? Do you say that you're particularly optimistic if you look at the, the UK economy in a couple of years in advance? No, I'm not particularly optimistic or pessimistic for that matter. I think the reality in front of us is there are a number of challenges that face the UK at this point in time. I think there are global challenges, but I think from our own dates, the combination of, if you may, the energy self-sufficiency that we don't have, the Brexit and the impact that it has had on talent at this point in time, not being political about this, just simply that it has created a talent shortage at this point in time. And thirdly, the inflation situation that we have out there, fuel no doubt by some of these, but also the Russia-Ukraine war. I think when you take all this into account, I think you have to be very optimistic to say that things are just going to take off and everything is going to be fine. I don't think things are going to be fine. But equally, I don't believe that things are going to be disastrous and we will be in a situation, things will be tough and I think we'll have to work through it. And every day, at whatever level, within organizations like ours, organizations like our clients or government bodies, everyone's got to work on figuring out how to solve these problems, right? But the problems are there and they're not going away till we solve them. So that's my mindset to these things. But does it make me feel frustrated or disappointed? No, I think these are cycles, right? And life is about managing these cycles. Excellent. Excellent. And I mean, guess looking forward then for Oak North, what's the near-term future got to in store for you? And is there anything else in the pipeline that you can tell us about? We're certainly, from our vantage, we think, when you think about it, on one hand, we do think that there's an opportunity to do more business with our clients. And we only currently lend money to them, but we know that they're not very happy with the current account and transactional banking kind of services they receive from their existing providers. And so we think that is probably an opportunity to work with them. And our hypothesis is if we can put a product out there that meets many of their needs in a more customized fashion, then they will stay with us. And then we start building a broader relationship with these clients than we have currently. Like things with loans, is it's like you do a loan, it gets repaid then till you need another loan, you don't hear from the clients, right? Whereas with a transactional banking capability, you can keep your relationships for much longer, whether you're not, you need lending or not. And then equally, geographically, I think we've been successful in the UK. And the question we are asking ourselves is, are there other places in the world we can be successful in this model? And taking that model along and seeing whether we can make an impact like we've done in the UK. Thank you so much again, Rajesh, for taking the time out to speak with me. To close out the podcast, we have our now infamous fintech jail. So this is where we ask for an industry term, buzzword, or trend that you've seen or heard enough of. Um, and we will then decide whether it deserves a place in the jail or if it's already there, whether it needs an extended sentence. Or, of course, you can argue to free one of the previously incarcerated terms as well. So what's your selection for this week? It was like a curious question when I was told that you know, we would be discussing it. I do think that transformation... I think it's an incredibly overused word. You see there's multiple levels of transformation projects that everyone talks about. And if you added up all the transformation projects you've heard about in the last couple of decades, it probably confound you. Maybe you're not going to be able to add it. 
But then what does it actually bring about? Have we seen any real transformation in the sense we talk about? And I think we tend to overuse that word for basic thing. Once in a while, we come up with a truly transformational idea. AI is probably transformational. Maybe when Google came and search engines were truly transformational. But when we start using the word transformation to do some better process improvements, I think that starts getting very irritating, if I may put it that way. And I think simply call it change, right? Because that is what it was. So yeah, I think that's a word that uh, sometimes irritates and frustrates me. But having said that, I personally use that word many times. So I don't think <laughs> I can blame people for that. Sure. I mean, this was first added actually back to the jail back in season two and then extended later in the same season. So it's been in the jail now for a good two years already. And it seems like it's still rearing its head and people are still sick of it two years on, even though you kind of hope that maybe it might have reformed itself by now. But as you mentioned, there, I think there's a lack of specificity there, isn't there really? And it feels like as, as well, there should, like you say, change transformation. It feels like at any given time, given the amount of changes going on in the tech space now and customer expectations are changing that banks and other companies should surely be in some form of transformation at any given time right it doesn't need to just be like one transformation project just seems to be like this perennial thing right so yeah interesting yeah so i think we can certainly keep it in there given that it uh, doesn't seem to have um, learned its lesson by now yeah absolutely absolutely well that's all we have time for this episode thanks of course to rajesh for joining me as for fintech futures you can find us online at www.fintechfutures.com you can find us on X, the app formerly known as Twitter, at Fintech Futures. And of course, you can find us on LinkedIn. If you like this podcast and our other episodes, you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, or your favorite podcasting service to get notified about future episodes. Thanks as well to Arama for editing this podcast. You can check them out at arama.tv. As always, thank you very much for your support. We'll see you soon for another episode of What the Fintech. But until then, goodbye. Goodbye.